This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, it, it's fun watching playoff hockey. Uh, I, it's it, it, it's rough. The Blue Jackets aren't in it, but I love the feeling. I mean, nothing in sports feels more intense than playoff hockey. Um, and and there's there's a fun to watching these kinds of games when you're not just when you don't have that pit in your stomach waiting for your you know to see what happens to your team as things are happening. So. Uh, it's it's been fun watching so far. We're you know a couple games in. Saw the Caps win an OT last night. Saw the Islanders win an OT this afternoon. From when I'm recording the show, Wild and and Golden Knights are still scoreless in the second period. So it's fun. Uh, it stinks that the Blue Jackets aren't in it, but I can enjoy hockey for what it is at this point. Um, three games that are happening: the zombie games because both teams are just not really you know caring or, or just they're just going through the motions at the end here. Flames and Canucks, uh, there's a game Sunday night, uh, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. The only reason those games are of any import for Blue Jackets fans is that if the Canucks get no points in the final three games, then that would move the Blue Jackets from number five in the draft position to number six. You got to imagine Vancouver is going to get at least a point, though, Um, because where you're at right now both these squads are going to be glorified AHL teams. They're just going to be, you know, getting guys out there and just seeing what they can do. So you're going to have a lot of guys who want to show that they're good. Uh, so you got to imagine at least one of those games goes to overtime or the Canucks win one of them or something. Um, Cause then that would put the Canucks at 48 points, which ties the blue jackets. But I think the, you know, they've got the tiebreaker. So they would actually, um, they would actually go over in the blue jackets would then lock into the fifth spot at an eight and a half percent chance at the uh, number one overall pick. And 17.2% chance at that. All right. Uh, jumping into the Blue Jacket stories this week. Um, the first one, uh, it was reported Saturday night uh, that Seth Jones, uh, apparently the Blue Jackets reached out to him and said, hey, we want to start trying to negotiate a contract this offseason. Uh, would he be open to that? And the story is that he's uh, apparently taking the weekend to mull over whether he wants to start dealing with it this offseason. Yeah. Uh, Right now, don't pay too much attention to anything going on in a lot of that because I, I, for if he just says no, I'm not going to talk about this offseason. I'm going to wait till next offseason. It almost is a that's almost just a signal of okay, well, he wants to go then because if if a team doesn't have that certainty of the contract in hand, that's where we are. Um, but again, I, I've talked about this and and I. I feel like there other people don't seem to, so maybe I'm wrong, but it, I, I feel like there's multiple factors here. Like if the blue jackets go out and get a big fish in the trade market or in free agency, like if the blue jackets, let's say we'll, we'll take the Jack Eichel one off the table. Let's say they go sign, uh, Philip to in, in, uh, let's say they sign him as a free agent and they make a trade for Tomas hurdle from, San Jose. Then all of a sudden the center position looks really good and the team looks a lot better. And then I can see Seth Jones looking at that and saying, Hey, yes, this team is fighting to be good. They want to stay relevant. They want to be a competitor. 
Um, now the Tomas Hurdle thing, I, I'm not sure if that's where that where it'll go. Uh, at some point in one of these future shows, I'm going to do a kind of a rankings of of where I think what I think are our best options as far as trying to get centers in the off season here. Um, but that's where I think he's, at. I think, I mean, maybe if I were to guess at what's going to happen, he'll probably say, yeah, we can start kind of discussing it. But I think there's a sense of, you know, I need to know the talents coming in that we can win here. So that's where, that's where I think that is at, um, at this point. Uh, All right, so jumping into, uh, there was an interesting interview in the dispatch. Brian Hedger had a, an interview with the Armageddon line, and um, you know, there's some interesting things here. One being that there doesn't seem to be a uh, an idea of even trading Seth Jones unless the situation necessitates it. Um, And, and here's an interesting thought that, that here's something that, that came up here. Uh, two different things. Uh, the question was, when you look back at the Panarin situation where the offers you got for him better during the offseason prior to his final year than what you could have gotten at the debt trade deadline, Yarmo responds, not really. Everybody wanted to know if he was going to sign and he had his mindset on going to New York. The rental market, the deadline was all about futures and that's why we kept him. And the question is that, could that be the same with Jones? Kekalainen, yeah, I would think so. I don't think Seth has his mindset on any one team unless it's the Blue Jackets, obviously. So, um, and then it, this follows it up. So the Panarin situation was basically no win. Yeah, so teams that were interested in him knew there was a really good chance that he was going to be a rental and wanted to negotiate with him to see if he would sign with them. And then the price would have been different. Well, I didn't get to that point where he was negotiating with half the league and then still have to play for us if that didn't work out, which is what makes sense there. That's part of the reason why you understand why they just kind of kept him. And and uh, again, a uh, peek behind the curtain there again, that Panarin really had his mindset on New York. There probably wasn't a lot they could have done to, to keep him at that point with it. But it, it just seems interesting that the plan is to keep, try and keep Jones here long-term um, and, and to do what you have to do to try and keep him happy. Uh And then the question the question came up, uh, essentially, um, this is what Yarmo says about Seth Jones. No, I think he likes it here. He's just at the crossroads with his career. He wants to know that our team is going in the right direction and that he can be part of us winning. So interesting stuff there, um, just knowing that, that this is happening and, and where we're going with, with Jones. I expect this to be something that happens during the summer. Guys, don't. Don't get too addicted to refreshing Twitter. We're not, I don't think there's going to be updates on this anytime soon. This is going to be one of those things that's going to play out over the summer. One, The one thing that I think you can look to as a barometer is what happens by the draft. Um, I think that is our, our kind of our first milestone in knowing how things are going with Seth Jones. And the reason I say that is, all right, so the... The draft um, is going to be on July 23rd and 24th. If by the draft, what the Blue Jacks do with those three first-round picks, if they've made deals to get number one centers or to get a high-end center, or they've signed one, which again, free agency... Uh, I'm not 100% sure when free agency begins. I know the league year normally starts July 1st. 
but then that causes a I'm not sure if that normally that happens um normally that normally the free agency happens after the draft but this may change this year okay yeah so we've got the round one of the draft is july 23rd uh and then july 28th restricted free agency and unrestricted free agent signing period begins so uh I mean, maybe if they don't make a trade, if they still use those picks, they they may go out and sign somebody. But my expectation is if they go and use all three of those picks on players, I would say it's a big possibility that that, that may be signaling they're they're not going to be getting some some free some uh, center that's going to center those top lines, and that that may that may be a signal that that Jones doesn't stay. Because um, again, I think if this team looks like it's set to win here in the next two, three years is what's going to be the big factor for him. So that's what I would keep an eye out for uh, as Blue Jackets fans. All right. Um, going to uh, hit a, uh, a word from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Richard Blosser, host of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Covering the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Calder Cup champions of the American Hockey League, and the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Each Tuesday, I recap Bears games, give you Bears news, notes, and nuggets, and all of the hockey news that matters to me, whether it's the American Hockey League, the NHL, or banter about hockey jerseys. This hack brings you high energy. They score! Connor McMichael has ended the game! Unfiltered. Look, Kirko's really going to have to work hard to bring back the fan base from this pandemic because you can't just rely on vaccinations. You have a fan base that is old, stubborn, and very reluctant to change. Not to mention you got to work on bringing back families and then whatever fan base you can try and get back from other parts of the state. You just can't rely on people coming out from 81 and 78. You got to work on a hand fan base that's very very hesitant to change and at times unfocused look ovechkin is basically the guy who comes into the bar kicks open the door and says who ordered a white russian huh well we all know Sidney crosby is the guy who enters in from the side door red carpet vip armani suits and alligator shoes that's just the type of guys they are so join me every Tuesday here on the Hockey Podcast Network for the Grit and Barrett Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1. That's Grit, G-R-I-T, and B-E-A-R-I-T P1 on Twitter. Available wherever you get all your podcasts. Part of the Hockey Podcast Network. All right, guys. Uh, I was actually on his show, um, recorded it today, uh, so you'll be seeing it. I'd recommend going and, and si- downloading it, even if you're not a big you know, Hershey Bears fan. Uh, he's doing a, a series now uh, called Game Over, where he's doing uh, a chat with a bunch of hosts from the Hockey Podcast Network about the teams, and he's doing it in the order that they were eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, and it's nice, because so often it's tough to tell what somebody it's kind of tough to get a read for how somebody who watches a team every day feels about them. Uh, if you, I mean, you know, cause I don't watch the two he's done so far, the Sabres and the devils. I don't watch those teams a lot. I don't read all their news. So I don't really know 
how their fan base feels, how people who watch them feel, how people who cover them feel. I mean, the Sabres, we all know it feels sad and hopeless. Um, but there were things about the Devils that I, I picked up on that was interesting. Uh, you know, so I, I would definitely recommend going checking that out. So it was it was good. I enjoyed it being on the show quite a bit. All right. So um, other interesting stories coming out today. Uh, we have learned that apparently um, Aaron Portsline has written that apparently Tortorella was thinking about leaving the jackets after the bubble. Um, the I'm going to read real quick the two reasons it says he's back. Uh, that he came back for a final year. The Blue Jackets wouldn't fire him, which is to say they weren't going to pay him two and a half million if he wasn't coaching. They'd find other work for him to do within the organization for the final year, but at a lesser rate than two and a half million. Well, the coach is a coach. That's what he does. The coach is also human, so the money was important. The other reason he came back, Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno had lunch with Tortorella during which he urged the coach to return for one last season to, quote, finish what we started. After four straight playoff bursts with the same cluster of veteran players, Tortorella might have a flammable temper, but he's an old softie for personal appeals, and Felino's pitch worked. So, uh, it looked like that was... Even coming into the season, there was the sense that this was going to be Tortorella's last ride. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, the contract was running up. I, I just think everybody just kind of knew what was going on. They, everybody could see the writing on the wall uh, that it just wasn't going in the right direction. I've seen some people say that this is an indication that Tortorella just wasn't really as good as people thought, or, you know, be, when the team stopped being, you know, when he didn't have all the talent in place, he, he didn't want to stay. I don't know if it's that. I think it's just things ran their course. Um, I, I think Tortorella has now what he's been a head coach in four different cities. Now I think he's just getting a sense for when things aren't working anymore in a place. Um, because he had his time in Tampa. He had his time in New York City uh, with the Rangers. He had that disastrous season in Vancouver. Um, and then he had a good run here that kind of rehabbed his image. So I, I I, expect him to probably get another job at some point. It may be a year or two. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a year or two. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if he was brought in as a midseason replacement um, to try and turn something around somewhere. So that's 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 a thought there. Uh other interesting news, apparently Gerard Gallant is interested in coming back to Columbus. Um, I mean, he was in Columbus before he was the, uh, he was, um, he was, he was part of the franchise early on when Doug McLean was the GM. Uh, he, he, I mean, that, that was years and years ago now. Uh, the way the, the the quote from him in the in the piece Portsline wrote was, I was a young coach then. I'm a different coach now. I've done a good job the last six years with Florida and Vegas. I've been fired twice, and then and that's disappointing and frustrating. But I think when people look at my record, they'd say, you know what? He did a pretty good job. Uh, and, and he has. He's done a really good job. Um, I, I think he's another motivator coach, kind of like Torts. I don't think he's a big X's and O's guy. But... You know, Gallant's teams, I mean, when he was in Vegas, and now granted, they had a lot of offensive talent, but that first year, people didn't think they had a bunch of offensive talent, and they, they, he made it work. I mean, you know, William Carlson ended up blowing up, and maybe it's, there's something about how he coaches that this would be a good fit. Um, he apparently still has a large group of friends in Columbus from the years he was here. Uh, he was here long enough. He was with the organization for seven years. 
that, you know, he talks about how his kids went through middle school uh, in the area and they know they have friends here and everything. So Gerard Gallant, somebody on that short list, somebody you might want to keep an eye on uh, as far as where, where this team's going, uh, as far as where this team's looking for a coach. Uh, last story I want to talk about today, and it's it's a it's a different one. It's not hockey, um, but if you are a fan of all in the Columbus sports scene, you have seen the stuff about uh, the Columbus Crew, the the soccer team here. For those who may not know, um, in just the worst way they could have done it last week, the Columbus Crew announced they were rebranding the team to Columbus SC, so the Columbus Soccer Club, and they changed their logo from this. And you can find it on Google, this great looking, you know, circular badge to something that is like the pennant part of it looks like the Ohio flag as far as the shape. And then just this kind of blocky C thing, which is really annoying for a couple of reasons that I mean, the logo doesn't look great. A C is just so bland anymore because there's so many teams that just have C's as their logo, uh, especially in Ohio. And the thing that gets me, and I, there, there's lots of places you can go to if you want to hear people be mad about it. I'm not like vehemently angry. It just doesn't make sense because the Columbus crew had this whole thing of, you know, they, when the team was going to move, there was the whole save the crew movement where they were online and they and they did it. They, they saved the team. And the thing is, they were known as the crew. Um, and, and that thing went worldwide. People talked about it everywhere. And that's how the team is known, the Columbus crew. And and they've said things about trying to make the make it a global brand, but I mean, you want it to be. First of all, you want to be a big deal in your home market. I mean, yeah, that's what you have to do. It, it's like if the Columbus Blue Jackets right now, like, well, we're going to change some things because we really think we can be a bigger brand globally. Nobody is taking you seriously as a global brand if you're not a big deal in your in your in your home. I mean. The teams that are global brands, like the hockey team that's a global brand, one of them, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're huge in Toronto. They are the thing in Toronto. When you talk about global brands in uh, soccer, the sport they aspire to be a global brand in. You know, Manchester United and Manchester City, they're big deals in their cities. Uh, Barcelona, the biggest sports thing in that town. The Columbus Crew are not the biggest sports thing in Ohio. Grow your brand in Columbus. And you do that with the name people know. And even, even beyond that, there's how many Columbuses in the world? And and I think it was even the joke that was made on ESPN show, uh, pardon the interruption, where he said, you know, when he hears Columbus SC, he thinks of Columbia, South Carolina, like somebody made a typo. And if you're going to do it, if you're going to try and Europeanize, Europeanize your name anymore, I'd say go the other direction with it and go the other direction more like Arsenal where you take the name, the place name out of it entirely and just call them crew. Just say, oh yeah, they're the crew. That's that's our soccer team, the crew. That's it. That'd be, I think that would be good. I think that'd be the way to go. With it. Anyway, thank you all very much for watching, listening a little bit of a shorter show this week, but uh, or the, today because uh, just right now we're just watching the playoffs, man. We're just having a good time doing that. So thank you all very much for watching, listening. Um, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.